0: My friends, welcome back. Episode sixty-three. Matthew Walt here, joined by my real-life doppelganger, Kyle Hamilton. What's good, brother Hamilton?
1: Uh, staying balanced in these streets. It's a little uh, crisp out here in the high desert of Murrieta. But um, I was gonna go hit a few golf balls today, but too so crisp. My hands are cold. Can't take it. So well, we
0: appreciate you taking time away from the range for this very special edition of Hustle Like You Broke.
2: Kyle, I also, think you're supposed to use a club, not your hand, to hit the ball.
1: Well, uh, I do use a club, but you know, I'm I'm green and uh, it's still it's crisp out there. When my hands get cold, I can't take it. My hands Yeah, like, try using
2: it. a club to hit the ball rather than your hand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That is some excellent advice. Thank you, Jerome. I should have went to the other range, where at least my hands would stay warm and I'd hit straight, shoot straight.
0: Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: we someone else
0: on the podcast with us today who I would have to imagine is keeping warm all the way from the Venetian Aquatic Club in Miami, Florida, Sister Dallas. What's good? You know, we're a little
3: breezy down here today, actually. A little breezy. So... um little nippy, a little hard to get in the pool
0: today, so that was tough. Nippy, I'm guessing like low 70s or something? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Low 70s with a breeze. Those of us in the Northeast are enjoying a very warm and balmy 52 today. Whoa, heat wave. Heat wave, indeed. Apparently, we've sucked out all the, the warm air from the two of you. Take it as it comes. Well... Jumping right in today, we are switching things up a little bit, but continuing our recent trend, highlighting nonprofit organizations and the people that support them. So skipping over the routine, jumping right to the main event, bringing out the CMA Foundation Executive Director and VP of Community Outreach, Tiffany Kearns, who has handpicked a very impressive cast of participants to join us on the bus this afternoon. And we know she has fantastic taste because one of our selections is not a first-timer on the program. So without further ado, welcome Tiffany. And in the words of my daughter, Jocelyn, how was your great day today?
4: (laughs) I have zero complaints, and I have found that when you do complain, most people don't listen anyways, so it's good just to be positive.
0: (laughs) Well, Definitely appreciate that. Little background for our listeners. As we understand it, you joined CMA in 2012, having previously been with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. In addition to the CMA Foundation and all its related enterprises, you oversee CMA membership practices and programming, which is a substantial undertaking, as I understand, and as we are seeing for ourselves lately, because we at Hustle Like you Broke, like so many others, have become more and more active in measures to help the industry get through this difficult time. And surprising to me, at least initially, but perhaps not to you, we hear about the CMA's efforts almost everywhere we turn. So let's start by establishing the fact that the CMA is much more than the Country Music Association that we non-country music fans or non-Nashville living people know. Tell us about the CMA and what you do.
4: Yeah, well, I think that's our hope, right? I, we, uh, you know, at our core, we're a membership organization, which means that we are at the service of others. Um, I wake up every day thinking about how I make those that represent our business make their lives easier. Um, Of course, that has taken a very different shape um, and has some nuance to it because of the pandemic. But at our core, we believe that if you are investing in the people that make up the industry, then the industry will thrive. Um, and, And that is truly our goal. Now, of course, prior to the pandemic, we focused on country. Uh, we focused on and making sure that the people within the country genre were equipped uh, with the resources and tools to be successful so that ultimately the, the genre and the business would continue to move forward, that it would continue to thrive. Because when you invest in people, you invest in a future. Um, and I would say that that is a, a, a theme that is carried out through every aspect of our business, whether it be the foundation Uh, collegiate efforts, our events. um, If you focus on the people, then you'll get the business right. And at the onset of the pandemic, we realized that country cannot thrive if we're not including members outside of our genre. If we're not thinking about the music industry, the breadth and depth um, of the music industry, all the ancillary tentacles that go into live events or You know, you think about um, everyone that supports this incredible ecosystem. So the music business thrives. We we realized we needed to get our hands around that. Um, And the only way to do it is to not do it by yourself. It's to bring others along to make sure that you extend an olive branch and that you engage and build rapport with others, that you listen um, and figure out what um, people need and how. Ultimately, you, you figure out what everyone's goals are and start to all drive to the same thing. Um, and I think that that's been our commitment early on um, as soon as the pandemic hit, um, is, is how, do we, how do we start to um, be reactive to the, the current needs of the business, but also be forward thinking in how we come out of the pandemic stronger.
0: Well, I love that. I love your use of the word thrive. And certainly we appreciate you embracing the collaborative effort. So let's talk specifically about the foundation first, though. Briefly, as we understand it, at least in pre-COVID, non-COVID times, the CMA Foundation's primary message is to enrich music education programs and ensure every child has the opportunity to participate in music. Now, That in and of itself is a huge undertaking, especially as music education programs are drying up left and right nationwide and have been going on, frankly, 30 years now. As I recall, my mother was a high school music educator whose job got cut from 100% to 70% to 60% to 40% over the course of her career. So I've seen it firsthand. So... Let's start with how the CMA Foundation endeavors to ensure every child has that opportunity.
4: Sure. Um, Also, huge kudos and applause to your mother because it is not easy to be a music teacher. It is not easy to be a teacher. It is not easy to be in education. I think that the foundation knew early on um, since its inception that so many in our business cut their teeth on music in a classroom, at church, in an after-school program. So, While we did it not because we wanted to make sure that we were creating a pipeline for the music industry, we did it because music is is complementary to the things we want our students to be successful in. It allows them to be collaborative. It allows them to be really good thinkers. It allows them to, um, to understand differences among people. There is just this innate ability that music gives students that cannot be taught Um, and what I would call the traditional academics, right? And we also feel that music um, is something that that can typically unarm um, a community or or even education um, to to combat the things that are happening in communities. So I'll give you an example. If I go into a community and I realize that not all students are being served, I can use music as not only a resource, but a solution to show the how you can make equitable decisions on behalf of all students. And so we find that when we can use music as a tool, it allows the system to thrive. Uh, The foundation wholeheartedly believes in if you're going to actually invest in music education and invest in the work. Um, you have to break through a lot of systemic issues that plague the education system. So we do not um, go into any situation um, with our with you know blindsided. We understand that if we're going into uh, make sure that all students have an equitable opportunity to participate in music, giving a student music is not equity. Making sure that they're able to access it and then participate it, participate in it, that's equity. And so I think we're very committed in not just handing a child an instrument, but understanding why that child never had an instrument to begin with. Finding out where the system is flawed so we can provide a solution through music. And then music just ends up being, again, the example that we hope uh, then is adopted in the education system for all the other um, you know academic courses. So to us, music is just, it's a way for us to... Um, engage with the community in a different way beyond going in and talking about literacy or or core academics. Um, it's our way of going in and thoughtfully making sure that um, when they look at a student and they look at opportunity, they do so through the lens of music and it opens up other doors.
0: So just to sum that up, as I understand, not only are you granted offering these grants and and working with people to develop these programs, but you're working to maximize the impact of every dollar that is granted. And you're working with the grantee organizations to develop their strategic planning, their compliance, project management, and community impact, which is a huge, huge undertaking. And again, how we understand that you're working round the clock and uh, expanding the network of CMA. But sticking with education, just for a moment, tell us specifically about the CMA EDU program.
4: Sure. So that is our collegiate effort. And it aims to, in a in a different sense, it aims to provide a pipeline to our business. And not because um, you know, I think early on, we started to identify that students that were coming out of college well-equipped <coughs> didn't really understand the nuances of and the complexities of the music industry, right? Um, there, there is something that is so key and important to our business in seeing how the inner workings, you know, how it all actually happens and takes place, that I think that colleges are not necessarily best equipped to showcase, And when we identified, um, we actually were having conversations both with our board members, but um, I would say uh, just companies throughout Music Row and beyond. And they were saying, these are the kind of competencies that we're looking for in music business professionals. And we're not necessarily seeing everyone coming out of traditional collegiate programs um, having those core competencies. So we then took a step back and said, how do we develop a program that better equips students to be successful. Because again, when you focus on the person, the industry will thrive. And so we just, we, we started to think about what were those, um, what were those experiences that we could provide students that would allow them to open up um, and see the breadth and the depth of the, the business in a way that they would not have otherwise been exposed. Um, and so that's what we do through our EDU program.
0: Amazing. And on top of all that, if it's As if it's not enough, your latest initiative and our focus here today is CMA Mics, which is short for Music Industry COVID Support. So why don't you tell us briefly about that? And then why don't you introduce your panel and take it away?
4: Perfect. Thank you so much. So um, as I mentioned um, at the top, you know, for us, mics was, it, it really was something that became kind of effortless in terms of trying to decide how we supported the music business um, through a pandemic. Certainly um, we had, we've had we all never been through this before. And I think what it allowed us to do is take a step back and bring along partners. The ultimate goal of Mike's is to make sure that we are shepherding and guiding the music business back to uh, whatever form of, of reality or um you know, existence it comes back to. But in the interim, how do we make sure our people have what they need? Because if the business doesn't come back healthy or, and the people were not taken care of, we can't expect the business to to be successful in the future. Um, again, we we work on behalf of people and with people, not products. And so uh, in a business that is is built on community, we felt like we needed to um, deliver a method and a model that not only worked for the industry, but also worked for CMA. And because of our work through the foundation and understanding how to grant appropriately, how to identify need, uh, just as we do in schools, um, we took that same approach, you know, through CMA and through our mics program. We said, you know what, we're going to identify organizations and people, and we're going to be really thoughtful and listen to to what they are hearing uh, folks need in the industry. We're not gonna make any assumptions. There isn't one thing that Mike's has done based on assumptions. Everything that we have delivered in terms of resources has been asked either of us or asked of community partners by the music industry. So this was not CMA guessing or or trying to decide for the business. This was us reacting to what the business needs were. And so from that point forward, we engaged in really thoughtful discussions with um, just There are three examples on um, the podcast today, but um, there are a half a dozen more. Um, So I'm happy to have Debbie Carroll with Music Cares um, with us. Uh, Jerome Crooks, who has become a dear friend uh, through the um, TPA or the Torian Professionals Alliance. And then Tatum Alsep, who has been, I mean, a partner of the um, both the CMA Foundation and CMA for probably a decade, um, s- certainly since I've been on board, um, with the Music Health Alliance. And, and I, I specifically asked these individuals to join because they are so much more than grant recipients to the CMA. Um, they are valued partners that will, um, and, and some, I, I will give you all the credit, um, in the world, they are going to be the reason why the industry Functions at the end of this. Um, they are not just focused now um, on supporting the business, but they have been focused on supporting the business um, since the inception of their organizations. Jerome, in a bit of a different scenario, because the organization he represents was obviously born out of the pandemic, but certainly, um, you know, they were able to identify a need that existed within the music industry big time. So, um, thank you to all of my friends. Um, and wonderful organizations for being on today's podcast because um, it's been helpful. I think it would be great. Um, if it's okay with you, Matt, um, if Debbie Tatum and Jerome, you want to just give like a quick minute on your organization. Cause I don't want to make any assumptions that people even know who you are and what you do.
0: Love it. Tatum. Perhaps you start. You bet.
3: Um I'm Tatum Alsop, the founder and CEO of Music Health Alliance and Music Health Alliance came to be because um from personal experience I was almost bankrupted by medical bills when I had twins 18 years ago and I learned that my experience wasn't um it wasn't solo it was happening all across our industry cuz of our industry is self-employed or part of a small business, so we don't have big HR departments. So Music Health Alliance was born to help shore up the deficit in HR departments and connect um, music industry professionals with healthcare access. So the mission of Music Health Alliance is um, to heal the music and we do that in three ways. We protect, direct, and connect. So we protect with um, a way to pay for your healthcare. Is it health insurance? Is it um, negotiating down medical bills? Is it connecting with other resources? And then we listen to your specific need and um, help direct you through the healthcare system. And then we connect you with resources. And so many of those, I mean, Debbie and I talk, almost daily about um clients whose needs overlap so we all and i've gotten to know jerome so well we all overlap in this industry and help each other there's not one organization competing against the other but our specific focus is on healthcare and access to it from birth to end of life for all genres of music
4: thanks data jerome you want to go
2: Uh, Sure. Um, So I am a part of an organization called the Touring Professionals Alliance. Um, We started our conversation with how are the crew, what are they doing, how can we help them? And we decided that we wanted to start with day sheets so that we can uh, share information with the crew. Open your day sheet. Here's what's going on. Um, then we quickly started going into looking at resources and sharing resources so that if people had questions, they didn't have to run and and search on the internet. They can look through our website and and we could help them. Um, and, and this is, this is how we met, um, you know, Tiffany and Tatum, um, through the resources because we wanted to share information with everyone out there as to what was going on. And you had, you know, Crew Nation and Music Cares, but we, we slowly found other people like the, you know, uh, Patsy from the Sims Foundation and uh, Maria from Musically Fed and uh, Eric from Sweet Relief and Roadie Care, you know, we, we wanted to, continue building and finding information that we can share and like one of the things that we really love is if you're a crew member and you're in need there's a there's a website called find help and if you are looking for a food bank in your area or you're looking for there's so many different things you put in your you go to that website and you put in your zip code and it gives you everything that you need to know about your area and how they can help you. So resources was a big thing. Um, We're working now on sustainability. When we come back into touring, um, we we started um, a feeding uh, program. Uh, We started with uh, an organization called the Lee Initiative, and we worked on Nashville new york chicago and los angeles twice a week for seven weeks and we we've branched out from there and we're you know we're back in nashville thanks to the cma and tiffany and her team and looking uh towards austin in the near future uh hopefully the bay area vegas detroit um we're, we're going to continue as, as, as long as we can and as long as we can, um, you know, raise raise funds to move from city to city each month. That's our goal. So
4: And, Jerome, if I could add, too, you, you specifically right. talked about the TPA kitchen. And, and in essence, it is finding a dignified way to provide, um, to address food insecurity that's happening in our business. But I also, the way that I explain it to individuals is it also allows us an opportunity to build community when most of these people haven't been able to interact with each other out on the road. So it's such a mental health piece as well. Um, Having attended one, you watch individuals just, I don't know, almost light up because they're starting to see some sense of normalcy, right? Or it allows them the ability to know that they're not in this alone. It's very hard to have community when you're just looking at someone on a Zoom call, it's very different. When you show up in a dignified, food insecure, when you're food insecure to show up and get a hot meal in a dignified way that also allows you to see others that are being supported, I think is um, what makes what you do through the TPA Kitchen super unique.
2: A- absolutely, and and we get a lot of um, feedback and, and Instagram posts from people that are just like, "This is really great. We really needed." to get out and and see our friends and and meet new people. And, you know, um, it's, it's been great. And, and I, I hear great things about Nashville, um, you know, and, and I believe Austin is, is, uh, is going to be just as amazing, especially now because the entire state opens up tomorrow, I believe. And uh, so we'll see what that's going to be like. It may be a little, Early, but you know, uh, I think people are excited. So, you know, good for them.
4: Thanks, Jerome. Yeah, Debbie, thank you. Talk talk to us about Music Cares.
5: Hey, everyone. Um, music Cares. We were founded over 30 years ago as a safety net of services for music people in times of need. So. When a music person hits any type of bump in the road um, and they need financial assistance to get them through it, we can provide that funding. It's purely confidential. You don't have to be a member of any organization to to qualify. Um, When the pandemic hit and we announced our COVID relief effort in on March 17th, we decided to reduce our eligibility to three years in the music industry. And those with uh, a year or more experience were encouraged to apply. And that was so we could reach the most vulnerable individuals out there who are working in the in the field of music and, and need support. So, we have through the pandemic um, we've distributed twenty four million dollars in aid to about thirty thousand music people. We recently launched a survey just trying to gain a greater understanding of what the community, music community needs during the pandemic and and, and beyond. And some of the results were pretty astounding in that 61% noted that they had high levels of stress and anxiety related to their financial security. So we are in this for the long haul, Um, in addition to just providing general relief for um, basic needs such as rent, utilities, food. We also provide funding for um, mental health services and the scale and scope of that can range from a mentor to a, a coach situation or coaching situation, all the way up to psychiatric care and inpatient or outpatient care. We have a variety of different health and wellness initiatives. Um, we typically host about 300 a year, which are medical, dental, medical clinics, dental clinics, where people can receive free services. We have seven um, mental health or addiction support groups weekly. We also provide panels and workshops around. We've been addressing um, the COVID vaccine, particularly related to the Black community, and not to encourage people to get vaccinated, but to just provide factual information about the vaccine so people can make informed decisions themselves about whether to to get the vaccine or not. to a lot of mental health topics and addiction topics. We can also get somebody into treatment um, for an addiction within a matter of hours if they need that support.
4: I think the common theme that we are, um, that is worth saying out loud is that the individuals on the call, as I mentioned before, we all wake up thinking about how we make the industry stronger and what resources are you know our people need in order to get it back. Um, to whatever is good for the person, right? It's not necessarily just making sure that the music industry is successful, but how is that individual going to be successful Um, and however they define it, right? Um, Sometimes getting out of bed is success uh, depending on who you're talking to. And so I think that all of us are approaching um, this in such a humane way. We're we're making sure that uh, we're, we're looking at where the person is, uh, versus where we're where we want them to be, right? We have to first have a conversation on what are your needs. Um, how do we triage your specific um, need, and 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 who is best to facilitate um, whatever um, your needs are? And I think that that's important for all of us. Is sometimes if I'm not best equipped, I can then call on a partner to step in and and help uh, triage or or work through. Um, you know whatever their needs are and so it's it's important to surround yourself with really good people that um again are focused on on the person um because i, I do believe that the music industry historically it it has felt very much like you know you sh- the general public thinks of the music industry as being such a for profitable um business And yet most people have no idea how our industry has been a crippled by, um, the pandemic, but just how, just the, the level of hurt that so many of our people are dealing with on a daily basis right now. And that's kind of what I'm curious, um, to know from uh, everyone that's on the, the podcast, um, at the onset of the pandemic, it, was, it felt very doom and gloom, at least from my perspective here at CMA and working with many of our members, uh, talking to industry professionals. Um, I, I felt like we were trying really hard to try to keep people positive, but um, also being mindful that we couldn't really provide answers. I'm curious to know from your from each of your perspectives, um, how do you think our, our, our professionals are dealing with it present day? Um, and this likely will have a variety, there will be a variety of answers, but I'm just curious, is is it different than what it was at the onset of the pandemic?
3: At the onset of the pandemic, there was an immediate need for basic life essentials, food, diapers, formula, how do I keep my electricity on? And we have, as, as those needs have been met, the only, I mean, this is the analogy that keeps coming to mind, and it may be because I'm married to a history professor, but it right now with mental health, it is like a hailstorm in a minefield. I mean, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but there is still no income. There's still no end in sight. When can tours begin? Are people really going to get the vaccine? And it's weighed so heavily on the mental health of our industry that's just been bubbling up since the pandemic began. So from what we're seeing on a daily basis is the need for counseling, talk counseling, trauma counseling, medication, whatever is needed. Um, And it's hard to find that, much less afford that. Um, So that's been a big shift for us to help figure out how to meet those needs where they are. Um, But there is light at the end of the tunnel. And um, the second piece of that is the infrastructure for vaccinations in the US is shoddy at best. So we, you know, trying to figure out how to help people find access to vaccines, figure out what phase they fit into and um, getting them to those places has become top of mind. Um, and we're working with doctors around the country to figure out how to get tours vaccinated as soon as the phases open up. Um, so it's a, we've come a long way, but we've got a lot more work to do. And um, it's gonna take all of us working together to get there.
4: Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. Debbie, from your perspective, how, you know, I... how what's the sentiment?
5: I'd echo everything that Tatum just mentioned. And it, you know, I was thinking as the year anniversary is approaching or, or upon us, that's also very triggering for folks as well from a mental health perspective, because they're thinking, you know, we all packed up and thought it would be a couple of weeks that we would be in our homes. And now it's a year later and there's not, while there is light at the end of the tunnel, nobody knows where that tunnel is going to end. And so, Musicians are and music people are notoriously scrappy, tenacious. Um, they they find a way to to survive in the worst of times. But one of the things that we're hearing a lot is that individuals' identities, typically when you go through a life transition like around retirement or the birth of a child or something like that, that's when you when you experience that that identity issue, but that so many people are saying, I'm used to being on stage and I was always able to make it. Maybe not. It wasn't always comfortable, but I could make it. Now I'm not on stage. I'm not amongst, you know, I'm not creating the way that I used to. And I can't afford to feed my family. So who am I? And what, you know, is this the road I want to continue down? So. Those are things too that we're trying to get ahead of and just address and normalize some of those feelings. Because I don't know anybody who's gotten through this pandemic who's who's a hundred percent honest that it hasn't been a mental health roller coaster ride. Um, it certainly has been for me, and I you know no shame in, in admitting that. So I would also agree, you know, with Tatum with just around not only mental health, but then how am I going to afford paying my bills the next month? And what once this does lighten up or or we are able to get out, I've spent all of my savings. The little bit of savings that I have is gone. So what's next? Um, So we're also doing a lot around financial planning and health. And I mean, not around, you know, if you don't have anything, how do you financially plan? But there's some smart, you know, some decisions and things people can do to just feel more in control of some of the things that we don't have a whole lot of control over, if that makes sense.
4: And Jerome, you are a touring professional, right? So this hits home with you. Yes, you represent TPA, but you are the music industry um, and you represent the part of the music industry that quite frankly has been hit the hardest.
2: Yeah. uh, It's, it's interesting because on, Friday, March 13th, that would be my one-year mark of leaving the road. I was on the road with Tool for um, most of the year, and that morning on the 13th, the crew decided to light it, load in into Boise, and uh, by 11 a.m., we got the word that all the other cities had shut down uh, two nights before Eugene. Uh, they, they, the state of Oregon canceled, um, and then little by little, each each city and state started to cancel around us. And so, for me, I thought at first I thought three, three, four months tops. Then we shifted all of our dates to september october then we shifted them to january february um, and you know i had a conversation this morning with the management team and we were looking at dates um starting in maybe september of, of this year 2021 and there's a really Strong chance that those dates are going to shift to 2022. Although we have the vaccine and people are starting to get vaccinated, um, there there has been ups and downs, uh, a lot of uh, roller coaster moments over the past year. And I believe that although things are getting better, I believe that we still have a long way to go. I. I, I I believe that amphitheaters and the country industry are going to start up sooner than, than anyone else. Um, The the great thing about country is they do the secondary and tertiary markets, whereas the rock and roll and hip hop industry don't know what those markets are. And that's a huge difference um, with, with our, with our industry. Um, so there, there are people that I speak with on, there's three people I speak with on a daily that, that I, I work with, um, uh, between two organizations that I work with and, um, you know, they're on the upward trajectory of, of getting out of their, their funk and, um, And I will be honest, I've I've had my moments, um, but I have to be strong because I have, you know, my family and I have a four-year-old and trying to keep him positive and and moving uh, through his daily life and keeping strong. The other thing um, that is really hitting home is we live in Los Angeles. So um, the thought now is, we are looking into a different state and moving uh, into a different state. And I will tell you right now, Boise, Idaho, we were looking until yesterday when those little kids started burning those masks. It's like, you're off the list, but um, we're looking for a cheaper state. uh, And, and um, you know, I, I, I know, Tiffany, you said there is a, a warm place over in that region of, uh, of, uh, Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, it's, it's, um, I, have I've, I've been very blessed because when I was younger, I, I paid attention to my finances and I, uh, saved and I put money away. And, and, uh, there was a gentleman named Spencer Churchill who, said to me, if I'm going to leave um, the promoter side and, and go out on the road, you have to have a minimum of a year savings at all times. And he told me that when I was 20, 25 years old, I was 25 years ago. That's and, awesome. you know, yeah. And, and because of him, um, I was able to, to save and be smart about life and, Uh, But I, I, you know, you look at your your bank statements, I I stopped looking, by the way, but you look at your bank statements and you're just like, okay, what is next month going to bring and how are we going to move through this period? So I'm I'm, uh, doing my best to stay focused and be positive. And everyone that I come across, I'm trying to keep them positive as well.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Always make sure, though, that you are thinking and taking care of yourself, too, because you are certainly not able to lift a community if you are not making sure that you have the resources that you need to. Um, You know, this is something that I think is is interesting and something that has certainly played, I think, a crucial role in us educating uh, politicians, but also local communities and fans about the music industry and the complexities about it. Fact of the matter is so much of our music business, you kind of touched on this earlier, that we don't, it's HR lacks, right? We don't have human resources the way that other industries do. Um a good friend um, of many of us on the call refers to the music industries as, as a band of gypsies, which for better or worse, I think previous to the pandemic, we kind of all loved the idea of everyone not really knowing the inner workings, right? It was very cool to work in the music industry and it still is. It's one of the the greatest sectors that I've certainly ever worked in. And um, I think that, one of the things that has has really come to light through the pandemic is just how much infrastructure was lacking, too. Right, um, making sure that individuals are prepared and prepped for in their finances. I mean, that is something that if you ever would have told anyone that they would be taking a year, two years off of working in any industry, it would be very hard to, um, you know, work through that. Let alone an industry that is kind of based on it on individuals living, uh, gig to gig. And, and, and I share that because that's been the, that's been a, an issue or a challenge that we've had in educating politicians. We don't have individual, we don't represent, um, 100% of, of the music industry where we can all say we have savings or that, um, we even have the, the resources that companies do, and and ha- I think about here at CMA, I have the, the luxury um, of having three counseling um, opportunities paid for by the by the company, and and that's a tremendous asset. That is so unheard of within our within our business, and and so I I do think there has been this this very important part of advocacy for our business that we've had to do. We've had to educate and inform people on just how the music business is structured because everyone just assumes or, or thinks about those major concerts that they go to at arenas or at stadiums, but that's not the only, that's not the music business, right? There are so many other pieces and facets to it. That make it unique and and um, also one of the greatest places to work. Um, But the pandemic has 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 certainly highlighted some key areas of both need, but I would also say opportunity. I think about Jerome now, um, you know, being a part of the launch of TPA and how it's supporting touring professionals and touring professionals not feeling like they had a voice prior to the pandemic. I mean, what an asset, what a silver lining to come out of the pandemic. I think I speak for everyone. We would much rather have not gone through this, but why not use it as a an opportunity to make, the, to make each of us stronger, to make the industry uh, stronger when we come out of it? I guess I'm curious from your perspectives, what are the silver linings you all are seeing? Um, outside of just this community that's being built, I, I do see so much more information sharing. I don't see it. Uh, individuals uh, feeling like they have to own any one thing. I think we're so interested in disseminating as much information as possible, which I love. I think that um, is certainly a a silver lining um, as part of the pandemic, but I'm curious from your perspectives, um, what you see as a silver lining, if any.
5: I'd say some of the silver lining that that I continue to hear is that people are being really very creative. So I mentioned earlier that that the mental health topics or the mental health stress, it's also has has had a negative um, impact on creativity, but also people have said, listen, the music that I'm creating now, I can't wait for the world to hear it. And they're finding unique platforms to showcase it. Um, I feel like there's a sensibility too now that even more so than ever before within the industry. And it's always been strong within the industry, but a, a, a camaraderie of sorts where people say, listen, we're in this together. Um, and I do think that a silver lining is that people realize that music is going to be one of the greatest healing factors in getting us through this. So once we are able to come together and do more, the music's going to play a big part in that. Um think people are much more self-aware than they ever were before too. Um And that it's, it's, I would hope this is a hope versus just, you know, an actual silver lining, but that we all, this is something we're going to remember for a very, very long time. And that we continue to lean in, support one another in the same way that we continue to do it throughout this pandemic and realize that we're all in it together.
4: Absolutely. Well, and I would say that uh, we were, we were building the ship out as it was sailing through this pandemic, right? Now that we've been through it, it's going to be important that we take everything, all of these lessons learned. So that way, when something else happens, should anything else ever happen, uh, we're better positioned and prepared and we don't feel like we're building it as it's sailing the next time around. Um, Jerome.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I was in New York on September 11th and um the the day that september 11th happened it it felt like almost like the end of the world you you didn't see if you looked down you know down down towards uh lower manhattan you didn't see any cars all you saw were people walking and people walking for a really long time and we came out of that um We came back, we left, went down to Florida for a couple of days and came back, um, I think eight days later. And within a couple of weeks, the industry slowly came back and people started to come back into into work. And and there was a, a different appreciation and different love. And, you know, I believe for me, the silver lining is when we're able to get back to work and see our people and see our friends and see our families that we haven't been able to see. I think there's going to be a different love and appreciation for people. And I think that, that is, um, more important, uh, than anything else. You know, it's, it's being able to see the, you know, the security team in Atlanta at, you know, at the arena, the same people that have, been there for years but not only just saying hello to them maybe reaching down and giving them a handshake and a hug and you know that for me is is the silver lining in this whole thing is that you're going to have more appreciation for people than you ever had so
4: good reflection thank you tatum um
3: i feel like bradley um cooper and silver lining playbook i feel like we've got a playbook of silver linings to work from moving forward. Um, We say all the time when we're dealing with healthcare issues, how do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite at a time. And throughout this last year, I think we've seen it time and time and time again, the resilience that's building and has been built within our industry. I don't think any of us knew we had, I mean, the weeks that turned into months that have now turned into a year, there was a tiny thread of hope that's now just grown and grown and grown. And we've shared it as a community. I mean, who would have thought, I don't know that Jerome and I would have ever met um, had it not been for the pandemic. And then getting to know Matthew who works with him and then getting to know people at Spotify, who I thought were the Antichrist, and they're actually really great, amazing human beings who are so benevolent and trying to do good things. I mean, there there is as hard as this has been, there is so much resilience within our industry of misfits. That's what I call it, the band of gypsies, the industry of misfits. And we all know in our industry, behind the curtain, there are a bunch of jackasses who have been hanging on to coattails, man, during this pandemic, those were the first ones to go. So what you've got left are the true hustlers and amazing human beings that do make up this industry that are here to stay. And you, that's a bond that's unbreakable. I mean, similar to 9-11 in a way, we've made it through this year and we've done it together and when touring starts again, it's gonna be bigger and better than ever. I mean, people are craving live music and that camaraderie that starts in the parking lot and goes, you know, they're gonna buy merchandise, they're gonna be buy tickets. I mean, I can't wait. But the foundation that it's laid is no one's gonna take that for granted. People are gonna be more prepared and they're going to plan financially, they're going to be benevolent and charitable with other things. I think that's what I hope is this thread of hope and resilience is gonna continue to build the community that we've seen form through this last year. So lots of silver linings. Um, yeah.
4: I would agree. And I, th- I think you mentioned something Tatum that kind of brings home what Jerome said, because we're going to be just loving on our people so much the shows are the the shows are going to be that much better right because we all have such an important role that we play it's not just those on the stage it's everyone in between backstage and making it happen and i, I just think that we're going to approach it um, as a labor of love and not necessarily just as a job like because it in a in a matter of a, a second can be taken away and now we know what that feels like, um, and so I, I do think that when we come back, there is going to just be this sense of appreciation, um, unlike any other. And and I and I hope it sticks. Um, for I hope it sticks forever. Um, I hope it's not something that is just um, you know immediate to the next year, or two years. I, I really do hope that it's something that is focused on. But I would also say that all of us as organizations now know because. Uh, the challenges have been exposed. Um, so, uh, I don't know, it's been very eye opening. Like, I don't know that I ever truly understood the financial implications um, of not saving would have on so many people in our business. But as a member organization, I can make sure that we're programming in a way that keeps that top of mind moving forward. I can make sure that we're asking those questions that we're not just give having surface level programming, but that we're always thinking about uh, almost worst case scenarios and, and being prepared for it on behalf of our business. So I do think even from a programming standpoint, CMA will will be better for it because we're going to be thinking about how we make sure um, our members and, and the industry is set up for success no matter what the situation uh, moving forward. So certainly a silver lining I'm I'm curious to know is there anything that makes you nervous that about going back um out on the road or things that um we we should be thinking about
2: yeah yeah um you know one of the other projects that I've been working on is uh, diversity and it's um I started working with Noel Skaggs uh, from Diversify the Stage uh, earlier this year, and we have been looking at the industry as a whole to make sure that people are are giving uh, women and people from the LGBTQ community, um, you know, minorities a, a uh, a, a greater opportunity at being available for, for many things. If, if, if there's a vendor out there that are looking to staff tours, you know, um, one of our messages is, you know, if, if you're looking to hire people, maybe look in the direction of a community college or even high school to, to share the information about what we do out here on the road so that it's, um, when, when there's a female artist that is looking for an all female crew, it it may not be able to happen right now, but I believe in the near future, it will happen and we need to give artists and we need to give people that are looking, um, to get into our industry of fair opportunity right you know growing up it's always been about um hey do you have a friend that you know is good with tools that can come out and you know be our second carpenter you know maybe instead of that friend um you know we look in the direction of of someone who's looking for um an opportunity. Who's always wanted to be in this industry, but just didn't know how. Um, it's it's looking in that direction and giving people more chances. And um, you know, we need to support uh, more people, more people that want to be here. And um, you know, I, I there 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 are people that you know I, I will not name. Um, but they've been somehow praised for, um, what they've done. And those people should, um, you know, they, they should give some people an opportunity to see how those people would operate around them. And that, that, you know, if, if I were able to work with that person that I'm thinking out, that that I'm thinking about. I guarantee he would look at our people in a different light. So that's that's all I'm saying.
4: I think you are spot on. I think that um, we have got to be thinking about pipeline development. And the biggest piece of pipeline development is removing barriers of entry. Um, and there are a lot of barriers of entry, whether it be at a collegiate level, it be representation, you name it, there are a lot of barriers of entry. And I do think that the industry has to um, pay attention and and be, and be very um, intentional about moving those barriers of entry because simply saying you wanna you know, include diversity in, in the industry is not enough. If you do not have an inclusive industry, you cannot have a diverse industry. Um, and so what does inclusivity mean and, and how do we get there? So I, I so appreciate you bringing that up because it is absolutely something that needs and, and will be top of mind as, as we move through the pandemic.
3: Tatum and debbie anything you would add um something that i think th- that jerome struck on this pandemic has brought to light some deficits for communities of color that i didn't even know existed and we've always been seen ourselves as being so inclusive and helping everyone at all times when it comes to the blues and the gospel and southern gospel especially r b and hip-hop at Music Health Alliance, we are not we are not helping those communities as much as the need exists. And the COVID, the pandemic pulled down a lot of those barriers because we were all in the same playing field. We were all without food and income. And so all of a sudden we have communities of color um requesting assistance. And we didn't know we did not have the infrastructure to serve them. For example, um, we have a client in Atlanta who is looking for a really good counselor, a male African-American man, and he would like to see an African-American counselor. We've got lots of counselors in Atlanta. Not a single one of them is African-American. And it didn't occur to me that we didn't even have that until this opportunity to grow and learn and kind of restructure our own organization came about. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have these conversations and to improve our own organization moving forward and removing those barriers that, honest to goodness, I had no idea even existed. Um, So for us, that is an area of significant improvement that we can make. And we are so aware of it and hopeful to continue these conversations openly because we just want to serve well. And to do that, we need to know what we're missing because a lot of times it's just not so apparent. So I'm so grateful um, for the conversation so we can continue down, down this road all together. And together means all of us.
4: Thanks, Tatum. Debbie, anything you would
5: add? I would echo the same. Just that we we certainly this is that has brought that to light for us as well. And my stance was we're inclusive of everyone. We want everybody to we 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 don't discriminate. Um, we we've always come from a place of equity, and we want to help everyone. Yet we've also examined. What are the things that we were, what's, you know, wrong or needs adjusting in our, our messaging? How do we really target specific communities? So we become much more purposeful and intentional and strategic around really emphasizing those communities that we haven't been serving um, to the capacity that we have. So with Black History Month, we did a significant amount and that's, conti- we've made a commitment to, you um, to the Recording Academy and, and um, our, our parent organization per se and others that will double the amount of direct outreach and inclusivity to underserved populations that we have in years past. So we hope that that'll help us move the needle. Um, but Tatum again, too, we, I can hook you up with the black therapist, um, male therapist in Atlanta, because we just went through that with a female and have had some con- great connections. So we're meeting wonderful people who I think will help us all do more and be more for the industry. And that means being inclusive of everyone yeah. whenever we can be.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Debbie Tatum, Jerome, I'm so thankful for you, Matt. Thank you. Um, I mean, I think you can see um, and hear. I mean, we're all passionate about what we do. We want we want the industry um, to come out on the other side in a healthy and successful manner, whatever that looks like. But I'm so thankful we have each other um, because I think that's the secret sauce to our business is that we have a community like no other. And and I would I would certainly um, challenge any other industry um, to to counter the camaraderie that exists within ours because it's it it um, truly stands, um, it kind of has stand, stood the test of time um, over the last year. And um, we've been pretty resilient too. I think Tatum, you mentioned that. I think resilience has certainly been uh, something that's been awe inspiring for all of us. Um, so I'm thankful.
3: Well, and well, Tiffany, Hats off to the CMA Foundation. That needs to be said out loud for everyone to hear. You all showed up and you showed up big when the industry needed you, when we did not have a clue how we were going to keep our doors open and continue to serve. The CMA Foundation showed up in a huge way and that that needs to be noted and applauded with and we are so grateful. So thank you for being yeah. an incredible partner.
2: Yeah, likewise. We, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we weren't sure how we were going to continue our efforts, and and just so you know, I'll I'll text or try to call um, Tiffany, you know, a couple times a week, knowing that her schedule is like from six thirty in the morning until eleven p.m., something like that, you know. Um, you know, I'll try to squeeze in five minutes in there, but uh, one of the busiest ladies that we know in this industry. So, you
4: know, I would not have it any other way. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Well, and I'll just echo that, Tiffany, you guys really took the lead when we were all just drinking from a fire hydrant and trying to keep the wheels on and, and pe- pe- keep people moving forward. You guys took the lead in really distributing information and we you know, we're able to take some of the resources that you all gathered and, and distribute it to our folks. And that um, and really CMAs didn't have to take on that lead, but you did and you did it so well. And And I mean, the lives that you've touched have been remarkable. So very appreciative of that.
0: Well. I think that brings us to the end of another fantastic hustle. Like you broke Tiffany Kearns and the CMA. Thank you for putting together this panel. Tatum Allsep, Debbie Carroll, Jerome Crooks, It's been an education. We appreciate all of your efforts. It's going to take people like you continuing on, keeping it going once the pandemic passes. That's my wish for the industry, is all of these great efforts that have have been ongoing over this past year continue in perpetuity, looking for ways to keep going to our listeners reach out get active get motivated get engaged get off your butt if you aren't already but we know you are because if you're listening to us then you too are a fellow hustler and we appreciate you before we wrap kyle hamilton any parting shots from you today
1: today stay dry it's supposed to rain cali
0: <laughs> dallas sister dallas this has all been very enlightening and I really appreciate that
5: silver lining thinking and I hope we are on the right track, but uh, we still have a lot of work, people, a lot of work.
0: Well, to everyone out there, again, CMA Foundation, check it out, CMA EDU, CMA Mikes, Music Cares, Music Health Alliance, Touring Professionals Alliance, Jerome, we didn't even talk about Never Famous, all of that and so much more. We appreciate you. We appreciate our listeners. Another one on the can. To all, I say thank you and good night.
5: Hey, this is Tech Support. Want to make sure you never miss the newest from Hustle Like You Broke? Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HLUB Podcast. And sign up for our mailing list by going to join. You'll get updates about new episodes, bonus content, exclusive offers, and information on how to become a part of the
0: music industry. Thanks for listening.